It's been a great few days for U.S. soccer fans as the U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, and U23s all defeated the European counterparts. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. What's going on, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's, uh, it's that, that time of the year we've been waiting for. Uh, pretty much when the calendars were set and we knew that these couple of weeks were going to be pretty crazy between the U.S. men's national team, their big friendlies in Europe, the Women's World Cup, the Under-20 World Cup, uh, and then throw in a little Under-23s at the Toulon tournament as well. Oh, and by the way, there's still MLS going on. Yes. So there, it, there's no shortage of things to talk about and uh, and a lot of positives if you're uh, an American soccer fan. Look, I, I, I know it's only been a few days. It's been like a week with this trend that we've been on. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Ivis, but I, I've been thinking, man. I can't think of another time when it just seemed that every level of U.S. soccer was performing very well. Well, it isn't often you get the, this kind of perfect storm of, of all these different teams playing at the same time. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It, nothing comes to mind. I got to say, there's there's nothing that that stands out to me uh, where you had the, so many. Even just the wins in the women's teams, mm-hmm. it isn't often you see them them overlap uh, when it comes to major competitions. And obviously, the U.S. the U.S. men are playing friendlies, but when you're talking about teams like the Netherlands and Germany, that takes it to another level. So. Uh, no man, it, it's a great it's a great time. It's a great week, great few weeks, and and I got to say, hats off to the, the the American outlaws who have made their way up to Canada uh, to support the U.S. women. Uh, I I do think it's great that there's a lot of the, the American outlaws, the same ones who you know go to all the men's games, and and you know I'm watching the uh, the I'm watching the U.S. women play, and you see a lot of the same yeah. faces for that that go to men's games that are at the women's games. So it's great to see that overall support for the women's team and. Uh, you know, it's a great time. Well, it's also it was awesome hearing the um, the fan support too. I mean, you can assume, hey, the World Cups in Canada, it's easy for everyone to get to, but you you never know. I mean, it's, you know, not everyone can always travel, but just the, I mean, that was definitely, I mean, obviously a pro U.S. crowd throughout the game. It was fantastic, and and we'll talk a little bit about the U.S. women's opening win versus Australia here in a little bit. Um, Ivis on Friday, the U.S. men's national team came from behind, defeated the Netherlands 4-3. to On Wednesday, they have a different task in front of them, facing Germany, who's called in a very tough squad. This is going to be another great opportunity, Ivis, for these young players who stepped up last Friday. Great opportunity against Germany on Wednesday. Right. I mean, it's going to be, uh, for me, it's going to be a tougher test, even though Germany doesn't have all their players. They they, they don't have all the, all their top weapons. Uh, their defense is, is going to be different. Uh, obviously, there's no Neuer. Uh, I don't think Ter Stegen is there, the the Barcelona goalkeeper. He obviously just won the Champions League, so I don't think he'll be there. Uh, I, I just saw that Boateng won't play. Uh, Matt Hummels won't, won't play. So defensively, uh, they, they'll be relying on some second teamers and, and, and even lower. But still, it's Germany, so I'm sure they're – Whoever they put on the field is going to be a, a, a top-level talent, but this is going to be a much tougher test uh, for the for the U.S. than than the Netherlands was. Not to take anything away from the the Netherlands game, mm-hmm. but but I'm sure Klinsman when he scheduled these, he scheduled uh, this Germany game to second, and he, he, I'm sure he saw this as the real tough, the much tougher of the two. And that's why it was so important for the U.S. on Friday to, one, just put up a good game against the Netherlands because you don't want to go to Amsterdam and get blown out of the water and then have to face Germany. But, I mean, now coming off a thrilling 4-3 to come-from-behind victory, Ivis, especially just with the way that the U.S. has been over the last year, the second half has not been the strong suit of the U.S. team. But, I mean, caps off to all these young players. Uh, 
um, Jordan Morris, uh, John Brooks. Uh, I mean, they were fantastic against the Netherlands. And I mean, 4-3 win, Ivis. I mean, once again, I mean, chalk that up. Another country that Jurgen Klinsmann, under him as head coach, he's been able to defeat another strong European powerhouse. Right. I mean, look, it, it was definitely a great, great uh, comeback. And I know U.S. fans were really excited about how it all went down and, and not to take too much away from it. But number one, it's still a friendly. And just as, as you know, we tell people don't get too crazy when they lose these friendlies uh, with bad second halves. You can't get too crazy when they, they turn yeah. around and they win one when, with a bad second half. I mean, when you talk about friendlies, you're talking about five, six substitutions, a lot of changeover. Um, new players, so it, new ideas, yeah, it, new it, tactics. It, it puts, it puts te- I don't know about all that, but it, it puts teams in a in a in a tough spot. I mean, when when you're the you know the Netherlands and 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 you know they they, they defensively they, they they look like they really checked out the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. But credit to the U.S. Credit for, for to the substitutes for stepping up and not in a way we haven't seen from U.S. substitutes in a while. I mean, it, all you look at all the friendly since the World Cup. Uh, most almost all of them, uh, you, you saw the substitute struggle or not make an impact or not do much. And this time around, it was a lot different against the Netherlands. You saw mm-hmm. so many guys come in and make impacts, whether it's Danny Williams, DeAndre Yedlin, Jordan Morris, uh, you, you know, ha- handful of guys. They all stepped up um, and played well. And look, it wasn't all cake and ice cream. There were some there were some question marks, some negatives. The def- defensively. Uh, some guys definitely need to do better. John Brooks, goal aside, great goal, but he defensively, he had his shaky moments again. He still has yet to put together, not since the World Cup, he has yet to put together that signature match where he really uh, looked like a strong, stable, consistent, reliable defender. And that's still a question mark for a guy who you're looking to groom as a potential starter. So I think that was a question mark. I didn't think Ch- Timmy Chandler played all that well. Nope. I mean, I know, I know he had a tough assignment with memphis to but look you know you still have to you, you have to defend you have to be able to uh keep your guy from torturing you and Depay had his way with chandler and i know some people thought oh chandler contributed in the attack but he didn't really i mean looking at i mean how many good effective crosses did he have uh so for me it, it wasn't enough for me it wasn't enough to, to come away from this match and say oh yes timmy chandler should be the starting right back so look not to be all negative but those things stood out to me and then there were obviously the positives i think jossie's artist I know he missed some chances. I know people are going nuts about that. But it was great to see him actually finish a chance. Uh, and maybe that'll be what he needs to really get him going. Because I tell you what, there's something to be said for a guy who keeps putting himself in those spots. And that was a quality finish, too, for, uh, from Zardes, too. That wasn't that wasn't an easy task for him to be, uh, to be able to uh, redirect that ball off of off of a very tight angle. Um, and I also agree with the defense, you know. I mean, you also you throw Breck Shea in there, too. I mean, the, the one theme for the defense in this game, Ivis, was... They all had moments where you're saying, ooh, that could be it. And then five minutes later, they all had bonehead moves. And and you wonder, you know, maybe this is the, you know, because the first time they're playing together. But same thing. I mean, Timmy Chandler, he, he's played enough times with the national team where he needs to start showing consistent minutes, especially with, with some of the other guys, too. Like you said, John Brooks, too, Breck Shea. I mean, I know these guys keep getting chances, but I mean, eventually they're going to have to step up here very soon. Right. I mean, look, not to nitpick on the defensive guys too much because, hey, number one, they're playing a tough, a tough Dutch team. Number two, as you said, they hadn't played as a group, this particular group of guys. Um, but they all have their question marks. I mean, we've already talked about the first two guys. Someone like Ventura Alvarado. I mean, he's still this is what is his second start for the U.S. So we, we shouldn't get too crazy about him, you know, having a couple of, of, of bad moments. Brexche, for me, he's still learning the position and he still kind of makes bad decisions that 
he still kind of has the midfielder hat on, right? He still has that winger uh, concept in his mind of what he should be doing with the ball. And I think it, it comes with time playing enough games at left back. And obviously he was doing that early on with, with Orlando, but now, but then with the injury to Kevin Molino, it forced them to shuffle things up. So he started to play in the midfield. Um, you know, I, for me, I, I'm not ready to give up on that experiment. I don't think Klinsman is. I think Klinsman sees Shea having the, 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 the qualities and starting points to be able to make the transition to left back. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's still, I think he was, he's still worth a look there. But for me, I think Greg Garza, when he's healthy, uh, I happen to like Greg Garza more just because he is a bit more grounded in that position. Uh, so I think when, when it all is said and done, when you get to the Gold Cup, I think Greg Garza is going to be your guy. Uh, but full but fullbacks in general, I think, are still up in the air. And I think even center backs are up in the air because these two young guys, Alvarado and Brooks, they showed that they still have something. They still have a bit to learn. And maybe that's good news for guys like Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasley. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll, like I said, we all, they'll have another chance on Wednesday against Germany. Moving on, look, looking at the positives from the match, and and I don't want to say this is something that just came out of nowhere. Michael Bradley, clearly man of the match, and this just wasn't all of a sudden like, whoa, Michael Bradley is good. This has been a progression, Ivis, over the last few months from Michael Bradley, slowly getting back to the level that we knew he was at before the World Cup. I mean, Michael Bradley, I mean, just a fantastic game from him for the entire 90 minutes. It was great to see that from him. Right. I mean, it's, you know, for, I think for some people uh, that needed to see him get back to his form, and I think for some people who had questions about him coming to MLS and whether that would mean we wouldn't see him at his highest level anymore. And I think if anything now, maybe people are, you know, some of those people will, will have had their, their their concerns kind of eased a bit or their, their, their nerves eased a little because I tell you what, man, Bradley, you know, he, he was right there. He was toe-to-toe going up against guys that play – at top teams, uh, you know, whether it's Daly Blind that plays at Man, uh, Man United, uh, Depay, all, Huntar, all the guys, that, that was a strong Dutch team. It wasn't their full strength. Robin was hurt. Um, Snyder didn't start. Um, well, he didn't play, I don't think. Um, so, well, he, yes, he came in at, at the very end. Right, he came at the very end. So, I mean, they didn't have their full strength team, but still, Bradley looked as good as, I mean, anyone. I mean, you could say Depay looked amazing. But in terms of impacting the game, Bradley just imposed himself. And that's great to see from a guy who now plays in MLS. And I'm sure some Toronto FC fans will be like, well, when are we going to see that with Toronto? Enough, <laughs> blah, blah. Listen, that's their problem. That's, right now we're talking about the U.S. And, and with the U.S., it's good to see him wear the captain's armband and play like you want a captain to play. And, and I think that's an encouraging sign especially coming into a Gold Cup that, you know what, it's not going to be a cakewalk to win. I mean, nope. Mexico is going to be tough. Costa Rica is going to be tough. And you're going to need Michael Bradley at his best. I had no idea that uh, Toronto FC fans sounded like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're kind of like New York. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've been Toronto in so long. I don't know. Um, <laughs> nah, actually, wait, what is it? Like the McKenzie bros. Like, I, I haven't seen Strange Brew in a while. I have to, I have to see it again. What's that? Before. I don't even know what that is. That's that was out before your time. That was, yeah. It's like a famous like Canadian comedy movie. Um, these two brothers that they're uh, you know they say a a lot, <laughs> a hoser. You know you I gotta watch. The only Canadian movie I don't even I don't even know if it's funny. It was it, maybe it was funny thirty years ago or forty years ago when it came out, but uh, I don't know I, I don't know if I'd watch it again. Huh. All right, well, we'll have to check. All right, <laughs> back back to the U.S. Ivis. 
Um, some other positives from this match, though, was the play of, of the young players. Jordan Morris, uh, an excellent performance from him off the bench. DeAndre Edlin looked pretty sharp. Bobby Wood, congrats to him, finally gets a goal after just so many chances and so many games called up. And, dude, Danny Williams-Ivis, nice to see him back with the U.S. He looked good. Hopefully should get more minutes against Germany. Young players, nice to see them all stepping up and taking advantage of the opportunity. Tell you what, man. The, the you know, I've been saying Danny Williams for a long time. Uh, deserves a look, and it was good to see him get in there late. And obviously, there was a deflection, but still, you take you get, you t- you you, t- you got to take your chances when they come. And he, and he took his chance, and and they uh, and they equalized. But for me, man, Jordan Morris, the guy just gets it done, right? I mean, no matter what the game, no matter what the level or the opponent, he seems to find a way to make an impact. And obviously, speed is a big equalizer. Speed can trouble pe- players on any level. And we saw it again with the Dutch. He was a handful. He he forced a big save on one long kick that he ran on to. And then obviously the assist on the on the game-winning goal. But tell you what, man, Jordan Morris, I mean, coming off of the Toulon tournament where he looked good there, mm-hmm. um, and he just keeps doing it. I mean, he is talking about building up the resume. And, and, and if I'm, a, if I'm a, a, a European club scout and I'm watching this kid play, I'm putting together an offer, man. I'm putting – because, I mean – this is what people need to realize. He does not cost anything right now. If you're a club in Europe, I mean, I, you know, what, talk about mid-table Bundesliga or or mid or or you know, I don't know, Premier League. I don't know if he qualify for a work permit, but whether it's in Spain or Italy, definitely Germany comes to mind as a good place for him. But um, if you look at him as a prospect, I mean, how do you not put the table and offer? There's no transfer fee. He costs you nothing but the contract you sign him to. And th- I tell you what, someone is going to make him a big, big, big offer. And it's going to be up to, to Morris to decide what he wants to do. I know he's stuck, he has tried to stick to his guns about going back to Stanford for one more season. Um, but I tell you what, man, if he keeps playing like this, the offers yeah. are going to start getting to a point where he's going to have to think about, oh, do I maybe, maybe it's time to go. Maybe I will leave this summer. Uh, I'm sure Klinsman is watching that closely, but it's getting tougher and tougher uh, to to picture him going through an entire other college season. Well, he, like some other guys, may have opportunity to showcase themselves even more on Wednesday against Germany. When, when you look at the, what Jurgen Klinsman may do, uh, we could possibly see some changes. I mean, are there, are you see, do you think we'll see any surprises? I mean, like Jordan Morris, I mean, could he get the start against Germany? Is that a legit possibility? Ah, settle down. I can't see it. I can't. I mean, I think... I think we're going to see some changes, but I think we're going to see some changes that were kind of pre predetermined. I mean, I think uh, as an example, a guy like Michael Orozco getting the start over Alvarado is is one that comes to mind. Danny Williams getting the start over Alfredo Morales is one that comes to mind. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I don't know how much you shake things up. I mean, I think there's enough time between the games that you know you're, the guys who started the first game should get some rest. Um, you know, maybe a guy like you know Discarude. As, as an example, he's someone who could come in and, and get a start. I actually thought this group did all right uh, coming off the bench. And I, w- I had my questions about how he would look, especially given the fact that he hadn't looked so good uh, with NYCFC in, in recent months. So um, he's someone who could definitely get a look. But for me, there's certain guys that I want to see against Germany. I want to see John Brooks because he I mean, he's got you know, he's going to have a tough one on his hands. I mean, even though uh, Bayern won't have a lot of their their top. I mean, their top four is Mario Goetz is going to be there. But um, you're not going to see Thomas Muller there, which, you know, obviously, if you're a U.S. defender, you're, feeling, you're pretty happy about. Uh, but still, they're going to have Podolski. They're going to have Mesut Ozil, um, Shirla. They're, they're going to have a lot, uh, plenty of attacking weapons. 
so a tough test for, for, for John Brooks. He's, he's one that comes to mind. And I want to see Danny Williams. I want to see Danny Williams because I am convinced that he can be a guy who who be, who eases his way into the starting lineup. Now, before I forget, I got to say, Kyle Beckerman, the guy keeps doing it. He's I know. old. I mean, I, I mean, I'm older than him, but he, you know, by soccer player standards, he's old. Uh, when you want to talk about World Cup and all that, like, he, you know, some people would have figured he would have been put out to pasture by now. But here he is in the game against the Netherlands, and he is making big plays, and he still looks good enough for that level. For anyone who forgot how he looked at the World Cup, and he was excellent. I, you know, he was excellent at the World Cup. He's still at that level, even though you know you could argue that in MLS this season he hasn't been at his absolute usual top form, but. In that Netherlands game, I thought Beckerman still looked good. So he's still in for me. He's in the conversation still for the Gold Cup, for starting in the Gold Cup. That being said, I'm sure if Klinsman is looking at the whole thing and looking at it from a big picture standpoint, he'd rather have a guy like a Danny Williams force his way in there. Because Danny Williams, when you're thinking about projecting ahead to the World Cup in 2018, uh, Danny Williams is a guy who, who who is at a good age where he can, you know, you like to see him project to that level. So I want to see Williams. I want to see John Brooks. I want to see Ariel Hansen again. I know some people didn't think he did that great. I know he, he could have done more. He didn't have a shot on goal. But for me, the guy, I mean, he made some good runs. He made he made himself available. He created space for teammates. He had two runs that stand out to me. One in particular, the Jesse Zardes, uh, <laughs> where all Zardes had to do was lay off a nice pass to him, and he, and he probably scores. And he just completely overhit it and, and, and just blew it. And then there was another one on, on a on – a, on a, loose ball in the area where if Fabian Johnson lays it off to him, he has a clear shot on goal. But Fabian Johnson took the shot himself, put it in the side netting. And for me, Johansson, on those, those kind of plays, he show, he shows his soccer smarts. And for me, I think mm-hmm. he's a guy who could do well against the Germans. Well, the U.S. plays uh, Germany Wednesday, as we said, 11.45 on the West Coast, 2.45 on the East Coast. If you're in the middle, I'm sure you could figure it out. Um, looking at this game, I was prediction prediction though for it. I mean, can the U.S. at least walk away with a draw on this one? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to rule it out. And the reason why is this: number one, you, they, I mean, look at the guy. They're missing a lot of guys. I mean, they're missing uh, uh, Neuer, Tony Cruz, Thomas Muller. Uh, now, uh, Matt Matt Hummels has, has come out of the. Uh, he he's. Uh, not going to be available. Boateng will, will, is joining the team, but he is not going to play in this particular game. I mean, I don't even know who's going to be in their defense. I mean, someone like Eric Durham from Dortmund could be there. Um, but then there's some some kind of guys that are a bit newer for them. Um, so their defense and between their defense and the goalkeeper, it won't be the normally imposing group that you know you usually see when you when you're talking about Neuer and Boateng. Uh, you know, obviously, murder soccer is is put out the pasture at this point. I, I think for the future for them, but the midfield's still going to be pretty damn good. They got Mesut Ozil, uh, Schweinsteiger, Schürrle, uh, Kedira. So I mean, they, they got some. They got the. They got the big. They got some big boys there. So uh, from that standpoint, between those guys and Mario Götze up top, I think it's still going to be enough of a handful playing in Germany. The Germans are so efficient. I'm gonna have. You know, I I know I picked the U.S. to lose the Dutch. But I feel a lot better about their chance <laughs> about my pick against Germany. I got I got to go Germany, man. I got to go Germany. You know, maybe I'm jinxing them. Maybe I'm doing the reverse jinx, picking against them, and then it helps them win. I'm gonna go Germany. Uh, I'll go about two to one, and I'll give Johansson a goal. I'm gonna go two to one. Aaron Johansson scores a goal. I'll go two two draw. Jordan Morris with the brace. Oh my God! Do you know how fast Bayern Munich would write a check uh, to Jordan Morris if that happened? And you know what? I w- I wouldn't even it wouldn't even shock me. It wouldn't even shock me. 
But what? He'll, he'll, watch. He'll get the start. I don't know. He'll hit the brace in the first 10 minutes, and the hype train will be will just I can't see be too it. much. I can't see a start. I, you know what? Hey, I'd like to see Juan Agudelo. I don't want to see him start. Yes. Someone, and the fact that he didn't play in that first game, you know, I, I think maybe that bodes well for him to get a start in the second game. Um, but in, when you look at the attack, who do you sit? I mean, do you sit Zardis, who I think showed some good things? Um, you're not going to sit a Fabian Johnson, I don't think. Um, I don't think you're going to sit Johansson. So, so where do you go? Who do you move? So I, I, I'm interested to see, man, because Clemson's got some decisions. Okay, just just a question. Miguel Ibarra, does he play at all on Wednesday? If I'm the coach, probably not. But I mean, like, why do you keep bringing him? That's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's looking at uh, you know. There's not a ton of left left wing options, and he wants to keep keep bringing him in. And and again, to be fair, I mean, when you get to the Gold Cup, yeah, you know what? For me, I tell you what, I don't see it, man. And I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, You know, if he doesn't get minutes in these games, and at that point, you pretty much have to say, yeah, he's not. He's a he's not quite at that at that level. He's not quite because if Klinsman won't throw him into these matches, uh, into these friendlies when you have six substitutions, then then he's not in the picture. He's not going to be in the picture for the Gold Cup. And before we move on and talk a little U twenty World Cup, I, I know it's the summer, Ivis, and because of that, a lot of you know people's adult leagues are dying down. But that doesn't mean you still can't go out and get gear because the fall season will be right around the corner. Plus. If you want to support the U.S. women's national team, the U.S. men's national team, you got to get a jersey. You got to go to SoccerLoku.com, use the code SBI10, and get 10% off your order. It's an awesome deal, Ivis. And uh, look, there's a lot of international soccer going on. Great opportunity to buy a jersey and support your team. Absolutely, man. If it, Whether you're a fan of the U.S. women, uh, you know, and you don't have your U.S. women's jersey yet, whether you're a guy or a girl, since apparently now men can wear, uh, they have they have the men's uh option for the women's jersey but i tell you what i'm looking at uh, i'm checking out their site and in the place that I, you need to look at copa america is coming up man copa america uh is kicking off in just a couple of days now in chile and if you don't have your gear to support the team you're going to support in copa america i suggest you go there you go to the soccer local website i'm looking right now and look they got me- they got a messy jersey on sale for 30 percent off uh i'm gonna have to get one of those for my for my youngest son because he absolutely is crazy about messy so uh, I'll be getting one of those. Uh, I might have to have a word with the Saka Logo people because I do not see any Peru gear. That's a little that's a little troubling. So oh, my gosh. Take, take it listen, easy. Other than that, you know, a lot of Argentina, a lot of Brazil, you know, the usual suspects. They even got a, they even have a Chile jersey, half-priced Chile jersey from a year ago. So that's a steal. I might, I might have to get one of those for my son. But, uh, but yeah, no, man, there's, there's tons of stuff here. So definitely check it out. Yeah, and not just gear. I mean, I'm sorry, not just jerseys. They have gear, all the brands, Nike, Adidas. Under Armour, whatever you do have, need. Do they have headgear that you can wear? So next time you run into a, a, a you know a goalkeeper, you, you won't be. He was like out. six five. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> he gets bigger every time. <laughs> We're gonna find out he's like five nine. He's like John. No, he was huge. He was a big guy. I mean, dude, I'm like you know what five three. So he was like five nine and a half. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Remember, everyone, go to SoccerLoco.com. That's SoccerLoco as Loco. Crazy, crazy when you think about that. Ibis. Go there, use the code SBI10, and get 10% off your online purchase, SoccerLoco.com. 
On Wednesday, Ivis, the U20 men's national team has, they, where's up? They've advanced to the knockout rounds of the FIFA U20 World Cup. The men's U20 team on Wednesday takes on Colombia, who limped through their group stage. Probably had a little bit of a group, a little bit of a tougher group than what the U.S. had. But still, the U.S. U20s, they, they played great. Coming off that loss, though, against Ukraine, I still think that they'll be up to the task against Colombia on Wednesday. Uh, it's not going to be easy, man. I'll tell you what. Colombia is a dangerous attacking team. Uh, even though, look, they, they didn't necessarily roll through in the group stage. They were in a tough group. Uh, having to go up against Portugal, who is, for me, I mean, Portugal and Germany, look they look like the class of the tournament, uh, the class of this under-20 World Cup. But uh, Colombia, man, they're, they're, not, they're nothing to sneeze at. Uh, it, I remember them in South American qualifying. They, they, they scored goals in bunches. They have a dangerous attacking team. So they're going to be a handful for this U.S. defense. But I think people who, who maybe are a bit down on the U.S. team might might be, I don't want to say overstating that loss to, to Ukraine, but I think ignoring the factors, some of the factors about that game, which is the fact that, look, this U20 team was already qualified to the next round. They... Ty Ramos decided to sit a couple, a couple of starters, uh, Rubio Rubin, uh, to give him some rest, mm-hmm. and obviously two of their defenders. And when you when you when you sit half of your defense, you're gonna potentially have some issues. So between those things and then just the team coming out flat, not playing with a sense of urgency, not playing with the necessary mm-hmm. intensity, they were punished for that. And and again, they were punished in the second half of that match. First half of that match, they were pretty, they were even. They were even with them, even playing kind of you know half speed and i think if anything that was a good lesson for them a wake-up call for them one now you're going to get rubin back in your starting lineup you're going to get uh the you know the savio pain back in matt miaska back in and i think the defense is going to be a lot better so it's going to be up to that defense to stand up to this colombian attack Mm -hmm. because for me i think the u.s will create chances what i've seen from colombia they will let you play that will let you have the ball that will let you create chances so i i I firmly believe the U.S. attack will score some goals, but the question is, can the defense contain Colombia? Uh, for people who I guess, who are probably just now wanting to pay attention to the U20 since they advance out of the group stage, I and mean, what are some things that we should watch for as far as certain players, especially in the group stages? I mean, guys like Bradford Jameson, um, Emerson Hyman, I mean, they looked pretty sharp. I mean, what, what should people pay attention to against Colombia on Wednesday? Well, like I said, I mean, I think I think Colombia's defense can be beaten, and I think Rubio Rubin, for my money, has been absolutely outstanding in this tournament. So he's he, you know, he had a chance to get a rest. He didn't start in that game, even though he came on uh, in the second half of the of the Ukraine match. He should come in a bit rested, and I think he is going to be a big key. Obviously, the midfield's key uh, when you're playing a team like Colombia, who's really skilled in the middle. It's going to Heinemann needs to help control things in the middle. That's that's number one. Number two, a guy like Marky Delgado who has been up and down. He's kind of, if you want to say, if you're looking at across the board, you know, he hasn't had the best tournament. I just haven't seen it. This is a big opportunity for him to to, to try to slow down Colombia's playmakers, and he's going to be a big key for them. And look, J- uh, Gideon Zellem, he, he had a quiet game against the Ukraine. Uh, now is his chance to show, is he the real deal? Is he someone who can put his stamp on a game against a higher level opponent? Because it's one thing to, to to do your thing and work your magic against New Zealand, and it's another thing altogether to do it against a South American team like Colombia. Well, the game will be on Wednesday. Moving up an age group on the national scene, the U23s, I guess, after kicking off the Toulon tournament in France with a with a massive loss to France, 
The U23s turned it around, were able to navigate through the group stage, which advanced them to a third-place match where they defeated England 2-1. to This is a U23 roster that's, that doesn't have a lot of guys who will be a part of the Olympic qualifying roster. So this is a fantastic result, Ivis, for a lot of these guys, and just, and just an overall good performance from the U23s against some tough international competition. All right, I mean, it's, you know, here's my thing. It's great that they finished third, especially after the way the tournament started. And most people wouldn't have pegged them to, to, to even get to the third place match after they lost to Costa Rica. Um, but like I, the, the result really doesn't matter as much as what we were able to find out about some of these players. And I wrote about that in my latest piece for Goal.com. It's already up on the site. You can catch it when you're as you're listening to this. Go check out Goal.com. You'll see it. So I'll touch on it a bit. But. What mattered more is Andy Herzog getting to find out about some of the guys in his player pool. Um, he already knew Jordan Morris was a good player. So even though he was outstanding, it's like, okay, I already knew that. Julian Green, I think it was good for, for U.S. fans to see him have a good tournament, come out of his shell a bit. For me, I thought it was as comfortable as he's looked in a U.S. uniform. And obviously I think they're having, you know, the pressure is going to be off. When you, know, it's, it's, when you go from playing in a World Cup, right, in Brazil, packed house, knockout round, uh, you know, you score a goal on that stage. Playing in a Toulon tournament in front of a few hundred uh, fans in France, it's not going to be that big a deal. And and I think it allowed him to get comfortable. And as the tournament went on, I thought he looked. I thought he looked good. And I think that's a promising sign. And I think it's good for him to be allowed to play on his level. Because I tell you what, man, expectations have been so high on Julian Green since Jurgen Klinsmann introduced him to the team that. Uh, it's almost like in a way he was set up to fail. And if he hadn't scored that goal in the World Cup, I mean, people would be crushing him even more than they already are. Uh, I think it was good to, for him to be able to just play on a youth team, you know, a, a younger team. And, and that's the funny thing. It's a U23 team, and he's actually too young for that. I mean, he is technically a U20, uh, but he's not eligible to play because because he played for Germany on that level. But, I mean, it's easy to forget how young he still is. And I thought of, of, of all the things that came out of that tournament – I thought that was a real positive. Start. I also thought Alonzo Hernandez looked pretty well, too. I mean, there definitely seems some guys, Ivis, who can transition from here to the Olympic roster. I mean, you probably will get some of the U-20 guys who will be called up, but, you know, we could probably see, what, maybe five, six, seven guys from here part of that U-23 Olympic roster? Oh, at least, at least. I mean, yeah, obviously you got you know, Morris, uh, Green, Keith Swetter. Jerome Keith Swetter is another one who, look, I know U.S. fans in general not that familiar with him, but look, he's in Germany. He, he's on. He's on the first team in the Bundesliga, and he's just kind of working his way in to try to get some more playing time. But he showed in this tournament, I think that he is one of the the better attacking players in the U23 pool. I thought he stood out. Fatih Alashi stood out. I thought in in the games that he played, um, and not to not to uh, you know echo too much from my my goal story, but. I mean, I, 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 defensive midfielder is, an, is, a, is not a deep position. It's not. And Will Trapp's big for this Olympic qualifying campaign. But right now, he's still sidelined. He's had concussion issues. He's been out quite a while. If for some reason, he's not back by then. You need someone else. And right now, Alashi's playing at San Jose. He's looking good. And I thought for me, man, he looked good. He looked good in this tournament. So, I mean, I think he's someone who definitely boosted his stock. Well, the U23s will be attempting to qualify for the next Olympics. That will happen in October, where I was here in the United States, which uh, I think that sounds like a good opportunity for an SBI roadshow. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, go to Colorado, man. I'll be, I, I'm sure I will be in Colorado for the first qualifiers. And then I'm going – and then the, the all-important, decisive uh, Olympic birth match will be in uh, – 
in Utah at Rio Tinto. So I know that's your second home. So I'm sure you can make it out there. So if you make it out there, we'll definitely do something. <laughs> you need to stay away from Rio Tinto. You're bad luck at Rio Tinto. I'm, uh, that's true. Home teams don't win when yeah. I'm there. So. You, you are, yeah, you are definitely bad luck. This is true. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, that will happen in October. A few months from now until then, I'm sure we'll see a lot of different names pop up for possible guys who will be caught up to that roster. MLS Week 14 happened this past weekend, Ivis. And uh, look, I don't want to say too much about the referees, but lots and lots of controversial calls this weekend. A lot of missed calls, lots of callbacks. I swear, I think the ball went in the back in the net like five times this weekend, and all five goals were called back at one time. Um, but the first game, Sporting Kansas City and Seattle. Lamar Nagel onside. At the end of the game, that's a penalty, Ivis. It was justified. Sporting Kansas City win 1-0. That was not justified, but still. Penalty at the end, that was a penalty. I mean, the knock at the end, that was a penalty. I tend to agree with you, man. And I thought it was – It's look, man. I mean, fans in general are hardly ever going to agree on calls that go against their team, right? And we know you – know, so, you know, suffice it to say Seattle fans were up in arms. Uh, the the offside call on the Nagel goal, from what we saw, it it was no it was not offside. It was no way it was offside. The only question that I had at the time was was Marco Papa offside when he first received the ball. Now there was never a TV angle shown that showed when he received the ball and where he was when the first pass to him came. So you know that for me is the only kind of question is like was he offside in the initial play and. The, the only reason that might not even matter is because if you watch the replay of the offside call, the the line, the assistant referee, the linesman, he is not even thinking about offside until Nagel scores. And once Nagel scores, he raises the flag. So the question is, if he is raising the flag for Nagel, it's a, it's it's a mistake because he's he's not in position. If you watch the replay, he is four yards behind the play. And if he's four yards behind the play and he's trying to, you know, get an angle on the offside call, yeah, of course he thought he was offside because he was not in position to make the right call. Because by his from his vantage point, it looked offside, but he was not in the proper position. So that was a, that, that was a blown call. Seattle fans have all sorts of, of, of right mm-hmm. to complain about that call. The Stephen Fry one, see, here's my thing. I think that should be a penalty, but I feel like goalkeepers have been getting away from that with that kind of stuff forever. Uh, with coming out out of control and just destroying attackers. I mean, I feel like they've gotten away from they've gotten away with that forever. Not just in MLS, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's the international level. I feel like goalkeepers they can do what they want. They can just punch you in the face. It doesn't really matter. Um, so for me, when I looked at the play, I'm like, man, that should be a penalty. Dwyer got to the ball first. Fry wiped him out. Having said that, I could see why some Seattle fans would look at it and say, but that's never called. Why is that called? So. I could understand why those fans and why Stephen Fry were so upset. Oh, look, look, oh, and Benny Felhopper stepped up and converted the penalty, so Sporting Kansas City got all three points. It would have been nice to see this game end in a 0-0 draw, um, both teams getting a point, because it was both deserved from, from both sides to at least pick up a point in this match. But regardless of that, though, Ivis, it was a great game between two teams that you know should be competing for the MLS Cup at the end of the season. Well, I mean, KC, man, they keep they keep putting the points on the board. And and when you think about where they were when uh, Ike Pyra got hurt, I mean, I'll say it again. I I mean, who would have thought that I mean, when when that happened, when Opara got hurt, it's like, oh, their season is done. I mean, he is their anchor. He is he he's the, you know he was the best player on their defense. You know, even though Matt Beasley was on the defense, Ike Pyra was playing 
uh, defender of the year level defense before he got hurt. So once he got hurt, you're like, oh, what the heck? Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Credit to them. Credit to Peter Vermees. The group, the team as a whole picked up the slack. Kevin Ellis stepped in and helped pick up the slack. And now their attack is starting to click. And they've done it even with injuries, even with guys sitting out and missing games. And now as they start to come together, as they start to get healthy, man, they're going to be a, they, they're looking they're looking similar to that MLS Cup team of two years ago. And the Vancouver Whitecaps defeated the LA Galaxy one to zero to Manet, uh, to totally burned Omar Gonzalez. Who's Omar Gonzalez is probably wondering why he was on the national team. That's probably what Kakuta Manet scored in that one. But I, I, look, I, I want to in all serious though, I want to give props to Vancouver Whitecaps. In eight in eight days, Ivis, they picked up six points in three games in eight days. That's pretty impressive. And then to go in into sub up center defeat the Galaxy, I mean, that's a pretty good week for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, it's a bit. Listen, it's a big win for Vancouver. Obviously, a big road win for them. I think it's the first time they've ever won LA. So uh, that that's a you know a, a marquee moment for them. And the kid, man, Kakuta Mane, got kids a handful. Uh, great to see. Uh, and yeah, Omar Gonzalez. Uh, you know, he's thinking, oh, you know, I don't get to play the Dutch, but here I am in MLS. <laughs> he's oh, that's what he, that must have been what he was thinking the entire time when that goal happened. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was safe, but no, he's not. <laughs> uh, but no, Vancouver, man, credit to them, credit to the defense. Uh, you know, they keep LA off the board, even though Robbie Keane was there, and you know, you get Robbie Keane in the starting lineup. Uh, I think they miss Zardis, obviously Jesse Zardis, because it's it's you know it, it's a difference between when you have a guy like you're, you're putting in some older players like an Edson Buttle up top. Um, and then you you know you're you're still missing, you're still missing a few guys. I mean, uh, Pinedo was not was not there, and and Robbie Rogers uh, was not there. So and then and, and AJ Delgarza didn't start for them. So you know they're missing. They're still missing some guys, but still not to take anything away from Vancouver. To when you go to a StubHub Center and you beat LA. I don't care if they're missing guys. That's still a big win. Uh, Portland Timbers' winning streak is now at three matches, longest in club history after they defeated the New England Revolution. We'll, we'll talk about them in a second, Ivis, and their struggles. But for Portland, uh, Fernando ID comes off the bench, scores two goals for them. Great win. Three-match winning streak, slowly climbing up the Western Conference standings. Look who's all of a sudden sitting in fourth place in the East, in the Western Conference. Not too bad. Portland Timbers... Uh, all of it, you know, think about it, man. In what is it, two and a half weeks, they go from la- dead last in the West to now they're in fourth and they're four points out of first place. It's crazy, and and they're, uh, you know, they they're getting better. And and I know it took it took a long time for them to finally get the goals. But look, Fernando Adi has had his 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 issues. I think he had one goal in in, in like however many matches for them. Uh, but so you know, you'd like to see if you're Caleb Porter, you love seeing him score two goals, and hopefully that gets him going because you need him. Uh, as your kind of target forward to, to score your goals. But um, how about this Portland defense? This Portland defense is has is, is quietly had itself a, a heck of a season. And uh, I think Nat Borchers deserves a lot of credit. I think Alvis Powell and, and, and Jorge Villafania have quietly established themselves as one of the, you know, one of the, I think for me, one of the better fullback tandems uh, in the league. And no one, no one really talks about them that much. So I think credit to them. They won three in a row now. They've won four out of six, and and you know what? They've got a couple of games. They got they play Houston next. That's going to be an interesting matchup. And then after that, they get LA, the LA Galaxy, and the Seattle Sounders. So, uh, the month of June, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll find out just how legit this Portland team is in the coming week. One thing about Borchers, though, Ivis, is since he's moved to Portland, dude, he has taken his beard to like the next level. It, it's like it's taken on like a life of its own at this point. Well, it's the thing when you go to Portland um, and and you have a, you already have a beard. 
just living in Portland and with so many people there with beards, you just feel comfortable with your just letting it go and letting <laughs> it grow as much as you want. And and he's yeah, man, he's taking it to another level. But you know what? All kidding aside, man, Borchers is it, it, Borchers is having himself. He yes. is if, if you want to have the defender of the year conversation. Uh, I don't hear his name enough, but I think he his name should be in there somewhere. Uh, New England Revolution. They haven't won in their last six matches in which they've lost twice and had four draws. Amazing. They're still second in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's a little early, Ivis, for New England to start their customary summer slide. It's it's unbelievable, man. They are the they should change their name to the New England roller coasters because every season for them is a roller coaster. Look at it. Even just look at this season. First three games, no wins. Then they go five. They win five out of six. They're on a roll. They're and that that's what's kept them where they are. They that run. They won five out of. They were five zero and one in a six game stretch. And after that stretch, after the win against the Red Bulls, which you know at that point you're like kings of the East. Then it's then they've just completely slid after that. Now they they've gone six matches without a win. Uh, yes, only two of them were losses, but still you're starting to drop points. Uh, it, it's it's hurting their position. Uh, I mean, they've only dropped to second, but now they're seven points behind DC United for second pl- uh, for first place. They're in second. Toronto is is gaining steam now on them. Javinko's playing out of his mind. So all of a sudden, you're in New England. You go from you know pushing for first to now you could slide all the way to the third. And now Jermaine Jones is injured, uh, which doesn't help you that much. I mean, that's a big. I think that's going to be a big absence for them. So. Uh, it's a tough one, man. And look, I know they're not panicking. Jay Heaps, I still remember this conversation with Jay Heaps last year when they were on their 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 strong run uh, to start last year. Um, early in a the season, they had won, what is it, eight of nine or seven of eight. And I remember him saying it. He's like, you know what, man? MLS is a roller coaster ride, and, and you can't you can't get too high when you're up, and you can't get too down when you're low. So, you know, I don't, I, I'm sure the Revs will be fine. I'm, I think they're a veteran team. They'll get through this. Uh, but they need to sort some things out. Their attack, their defense, for one, their defense has been. Uh, it's funny how their defense was like their strength during that stretch of, of unbe- that unbeaten streak they had. But now lately, their defense has definitely had some question marks. They, they they've, they've had some mistakes, and now their attack isn't clicking either. So, um, well, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they snap out of it. But when you look at their schedule, uh, you know, they got Chicago next. That that could be the one. Maybe that's a slump buster for them. Well, speaking of Toronto, who are now third in the Eastern Conference, their winning streak is at three matches after defeating D.C. United 2-1. to one. And uh, I was, there's no question, the hottest player in the league right now is Sebastian Giovinco. He is just unstoppable right now. He's not, the, he's not just the hottest player. He's, the, he's, just, he's the best. He's the best player in the league. No offense to anyone, no offense to Keen, Dempsey, Martins, Kaká, anybody, but Diovinko, flat out, best player in the league right now. He is just untouchable. Like, you can't defend this guy. And um, he he's just, I mean, he is carrying, he's carrying TFC. And, look, it's not just all him. The defense is, is playing better now. But when you have a guy like him who can take a, a seemingly harmless, uh, you know, position and, and score a goal, from you know, from distance when he wants. I mean, the guy is so tough to deal with, and it's crazy. I mean, think about it. Toronto, they go into DC without Michael Bradley, and win a game. I mean, that's huge, for them. huge confidence builder for them. All of a sudden, they find themselves on a nice little three-game run, unbeaten in four. They're five-one and one in their last seven after that four-game slide early in the season, and all of a sudden, man, they're you know, we we were talking about Greg Vanny's job. Uh, in April, and now here they are. They're 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 rocketing up, man. They're rocketing up, and I and I don't know if they're going to slow down. 
because Michael, you know, they look at their next couple games. They have they, they play New York City FC, and then they play and then they play Montreal, and then they have DC United again. And you know what? They could go into that DC game at home with a chance to take over first place, and it could happen. So you know what? Credit to Vanny and credit to Javinko, man, because he has been worth every penny. Yeah, that's that's the other thing too is Toronto as an entire team is starting to play well too. Defense is looking a little bit sharper. It's just it's osmosis, man. Osmosis. He Jovinko is osmosis. Houston defeated the New York Red Bulls four to two. I was I don't think anyone saw this one coming. Not Houston just winning, but Houston scoring four goals. I mean, what's what's going on here? I don't know, man. I mean, I personally I picked Houston to win this game. I, I thought they would win. I, I thought, but it's funny when, when we when we when we call when we predicted this game when, when we talked about this game in the last show. I break that Houston will win, but I thought it'd be like one zero. I didn't think it would be a goal fest for Houston. Uh, but yeah, man, the Red Bulls, man, what is going on with the Red Bulls? Think about it, man. They've gone four without a win. They've lost three in a row, and the they have one win since mid eight. One win in almost two months, and that was the win against NYCFC. Which, if you're going to win a game, beat your arch rival, and that and that helps kind of appease the fans, but. It's hard to ignore that they are in a slump right now, and they're sliding down the standings, and all of a sudden they go from that unbeaten start to the season to all of a sudden they're in fifth place in the East. They're tied with Orlando City, of all teams, and uh, and the teams underneath them are coming up ahead of them. Montreal Impact are on fire right now. Montreal Impact have, have a better points-per-game average than the Red Bulls. I mean, Jesse Marsh needs to figure some things out. They're obviously, the, look, to be fair, their defense, you've had injuries – uh, you've had obviously Mad Maskers at the Under Twenty World Cup, but for me, they need to go. They need to fill out these DP slots. They need to go get uh, an impact player, at least one. They, I, I get this whole new, new Red Bulls uh, approach, and they want to, you know, the team is the star and all this crap about you don't need your star players. But I'm sorry, this team is is limited. I think they ha- their ceiling is pretty limited with what they have on this roster right now. They need to go get. Uh, an impact attacking player, that's what they're lacking right now. I think the defense, you could sort it out. I think they have the pieces to have a pretty decent defense. But with this roster as constituted, you are not, for me, you're not going to finish in the top three in the East. I don't know if you're going to finish in the top four in the East. I think you're going to be battling for a wild card in the East. I think I, and, and, I, and I think I said that going into the year. So we'll see what happens, man. I can't imagine they stand pat. If they do, this is where they're going to be. Well, the team on the other side of the river, NYCFC, finally picked up their first victory in about two months. And look, if they weren't going to defeat the Philadelphia Union, they weren't going to defeat anyone. They beat them 2-1. to one. And, and I know we talk about this a lot about guys coming back from things. But Thomas McNamara, what a goal from him. And just good to see him back and performing well after he looked so good for Chivas USA last year before he sustained his injury. But still, more importantly, Ivis, NYCFC, first victory in about two months. Big win, big goal outstanding goal tommy mcnamara the kid is legit man the kid's got skill um you know we talked we've talked about about him in the past and look when you have an acl surgery it takes a while to get back it's it's one thing to get back and it's another thing to get back to your original level um before the injury and i mean look not to say he's back yet i mean he, he all the way but look this is a big step for him that goal outstanding goal for them and and then also patrick mullins man mullins scored the winner for them uh, this was a big win. They needed this one. They had to have this win. And all I'm hearing out of the NYCFC camp is that they're, that that even though they hadn't been getting the results, the mood was a good mood in their group, and and that thing they believe things are going to turn around. And and we'll see if this is what this is. If this is that first step 
to turning things around. I mean, I think there's still some questions about their defense. I, I think they still should go sign Noguchi Onyewu. And from what I hear, he's looked good in training for them. I don't know if there's going to be any obstacles in a way as far as salary and, and, and you know, are they not going to be able to come to an, uh, an agreement? Obviously, Onyewu was used to making a, a pretty good pile of money over in Europe, but we'll see what happens with that. But you know what? NYC absolutely needed, needed this. And now they go into a game against Montreal this weekend that, you know what, Montreal's on fire. We'll see if NYC can st- um, can really stop the bleeding. Orlando City defeated the Chicago Fire 3-2 to and just a total meltdown from Chicago if you're a fan. I mean, just a heartbreaking loss uh, for Orlando. Tally Hall had a good game. And also, Kyle Aaronivas, fifth goal of the season for them. He's looking legit. Orlando City, 3-2 to victory over Chicago. Well, listen, you got to give credit to... Chicago Fire defender Adai Hilton, because it's one thing to score one own goal, but when you can score two own goals in the same game, you got to you get a round of applause because that's pretty impressive. Uh, look, kidding aside, Orlando credit to them to battle back um, on multiple occasions. And Kyle Aaron, man, the kid is legit. Five goals now. He's on pace to you know to set an MLS record if he can keep it going. Uh, if you're Orlando, you're loving the fact that your number one overall pick can step in and actually make an impact for you right off the bat. Um, you know, there were some questions about that. Like, how long would he take? He's a 20, he's 19, he's 20. You know, it, it, you know, is he going to need a year of seasoning? And, you know, he has not been shy at all, man. And he gains confidence with each start. Uh, and the team is gaining confidence in him with each start. Because when you're in the midfield and you see him finish chances the way he's finishing chances, it makes you feel good about getting him the ball. And let's not forget, early in the season, some of those games where, some of those chances were missed terribly. So now if you're Orlando, you're feeling good. You got a guy up top who, if you get him a ball, he's going to put it away. And and that's great to see. Uh, credit to Adrian Heath and Orlando. They're, they've quietly crept their way back into the conversation. They're, uh, you know, they, they're unbeaten in four, 2-0-1-2. And all of a sudden, you look at the standings, they are fourth in the Eastern Conference standings. And you know what? That's pretty impressive, especially the way – they were struggling early in the year to get results. Uh, Montreal Impact defeated Columbus Crew 2-1. to That's not back-to-back wins for Montreal, who are quietly putting together some points. Ivis, they still have a ton of game in hands, too. Uh, Montreal, man, looking pretty good. Four wins in five matches. And I tried to tell people, I tried to tell people, don't write them off. Don't call the Champions League run a fluke. This is a better team than it, than, than it was last year. And they are. They're a better team. They made some key signings. I mean, they have guys that really stepped up. Piatti, obviously, Simon, Romero. Uh, they're they're rolling right now, and and you got to start taking them seriously because I mean, like I said, on points per game, they're they should they're among the top six in points per game. Now, what you look at, look at these upcoming games for for Montreal? You have NYCFC, you have Orlando, you have TFC, and you have Philly. I mean, and then NYCFC again. So these five games are going to be huge for Montreal because I mean, other than TFC. You can say all these matches, they should have a really good chance to win. And even Toronto, you give them a chance. So we'll see what Frank Lopez's team can do uh, going forward. But, uh, you know, big result for them. San Jose and FC Dallas played to a scoreless draw in California. Might have a little bit of a controversial missed penalty call in this game. I'm not sure that really was a penalty. And both teams walk away in this match, Ivis, with one point. Missed penalty? More like missed red card call. I mean, what was going on? Three red cards. One of them was absolutely legit. Another one was kind of legit. And then the third one, I'm sorry, but the one on the Sherrod was a joke, okay? Dan Kennedy was on the ground. He started to get up just as Sherrod was trying to jump over him. It's not Sherrod's fault. 
There's no way in hell that's a red card. I'm sorry, Baldomero Toledo. You lost your mind on that one. And I, re- I think that ruined the game. So, you know what? What can you do? It, it was an ugly game. There were three red cards and three shots on goal total. You definitely That's not the kind of game you want to see. No, not at all. And uh, Real Salt Lake and the Colorado Rapids played to a scoreless draw. It was a, let's face it, Ivis, it was not a pretty match at all. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very horrible. And also Dylan Powers, bro, what are you Come on, man. you got to put that penalty in at the end of the game. Listen, easier said than done. Because when you're staring across at Nick Raimondo, the penalty kick specialist, oh. it's not easy, man. It's not easy. It gets in your head. When you, I mean, obviously, Dylan, you know, Dylan Powers is not like an older player. He, you know, he's a little young, and he knows Raimondo can save anything. He, Raimondo has that ability to psych you out because he's made so many saves in that spot. So tough one. But you know what? Yeah, fair result. I mean, I think just looking at this match, it was a pretty boring match, pretty blah match. You know what? One point each, fair enough. Uh, before we move on and talk a little bit about the U.S. women's national team win over Australia, we want to remind everyone to go to SoccerLoco.com. You can get 10% off your entire online purchase if you enter SBI10 when checking out. Uh, great opportunity to buy a U.S. women's jersey right now since they're in the World Cup. U.S. men's Gold Cup starting in July. Plus, as I was mentioned earlier, Copa America, tons of opportunities to buy jerseys, support your team, also buy gear for the upcoming fall season if you're a club player or a dad is looking to uh, buy some cleats or a mom buying a cleats for their son. Remember, go to Soccer hey, Loco. Di- hey. Yeah. Father's Day. Oh, Father's Day is yes. coming up. So, you know what? Get your, you know, perfect time. Get your, get your dad a nice U.S. National Team yeah. jersey, T-shirt. If he's a player, you get him some cleats. Uh, and if my kids are listening, size 13, hook it up. But, uh, you know, we'll see, man. It's a, you know, it's a good place to check it out. <laughs> Do your kids listen kid, to the show? Definitely don't. Yeah. Definitely don't listen yeah. to the show. Not at all. Uh, and remember, it's SoccerLoco.com. Enter SBI10, 10% off your entire online purchase. On Monday, Ivis, the U.S. Women's National Team kicked off the World Cup with a 3-1 win over Australia. You can say that the first 45 minutes were a little shaky for the U.S. women, but in the second half, total domination. Megan Rapino, uh, look, she's she's... I mean, you could argue that she is probably one of the best players on the U.S. Women's National Team. She's just outstanding, always comes up in the big moments. And for the U.S., kicking off the World Cup with a 3-1 victory, great start for them. A great start, especially when you look at the other group match, uh, Nigeria and Sweden ended up in a draw. So now the U.S., after the first round, the first matches, they're they're leading the group with three points. And it's a big win. Megan Rapino, listen, know the way to say it. She put the team on her back. She made two special plays, scored two great goals, and they absolutely needed that because I'll tell you what, man, straight up, the U.S. didn't play that well, especially in the first half. I thought our, I thought Australia was the better team in the mm-hmm, first half. Definitely. And there's some questions about this team. There's some questions about this U.S. team, the defense, the midfield, um, the attack. I mean, look, they needed Hope Solo to make some big saves yes. in the first half. I have serious questions, and I feel like I'm beating, a, uh, I'm beating the drum on this. Maybe we talked about this before, but – I just don't know if this team is going to be able to do it against the top the, the, the top teams in this tournament, the teams like Germany, like France. Uh, I'm not sold. And this game, while the result, the final score was pretty good, 3-1, 
I feel like it was a little flattering because I thought Australia played pretty well. Well, the next game coming up for the U.S. will be against Sweden. But, you know, I, I mean, maybe, you know, look, the, the U.S. went into this winning a bunch of games, then playing South Korea to a scoreless draw in the final send-off match. And you have to wonder, I mean, this team is still filling each other out. But still, I mean, picking up a 3-1 to win against Australia, tougher opponent against Sweden. I mean, opportunity for the U.S. women to to progress going forward. You know, like when a college football team schedules opponents like a C, a B, and an A opponent? I mean, this is kind of how it is for the U.S. So an opportunity to go through the group stages, play, you know, tougher team on top of tougher team on top of tougher team, and then eventually get into the knockout round, battle-tested, you know, have had time to play against each other. I mean, this could work out well for the U.S. women in the group stage. Right, but I mean, I think it still comes down to they need to play better, and they can't just rely on individual plays uh, to carry them through the tournament. I don't think you win a World Cup just having you know a couple of star players make a couple of special plays. You think at a certain point you need your team as a whole to work well as a unit. And I just, I don't know, I just feel like, look, the second half was better, credit to them. Yep. And I think they just wore Australia down. I think from a physical, fit, from a fitness standpoint, physicality standpoint, the U.S. was just a stronger team. And as the second half wore on, I thought Australia wore down. They got tired. They, they, from a, they couldn't match the fitness level of the u.s and that and that you know what credit to the u.s they have that advantage but i just from a moving the ball standpoint passing the ball creating chances in the first half i just didn't see enough from them so for me 3-1 yes great result but overall performance i wouldn't say it was an a performance i'd give them like a b minus and they're gonna need to get better as the tournament wears on oh definitely agree and they're gonna have to continue to have good performances from hope solo who had a couple of just key saves in this match i mean the u.s woman needed to play lights out every single game no question, man. And credit to her for, you know what? She she can compartmentalize all this, uh, all this drama swirling around her, and she did it, man. She stepped up, and I I, I want to see this U.S. team against these other teams in the group. Sweden looked good, even though they blew the uh, blew a two goal lead against Nigeria. And then look, Nigeria, man, they were fun to watch. They they move the ball excellently. They 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 run for each other. They have great vision. They are going to be a handful for the U.S. when they play the U.S. Uh, looking around at the rest of the World Cup, I think you could sum it up by some massive blowouts that we've seen. Poor Thailand, poor Ivory Coast, and poor Ecuador. I mean, they got smashed in their opening games. It's pretty much it's it's what you expect, right? I mean, it, it, there's gonna there are there gonna be some some there are some teams in this group that are just in the in this tournament that are just well below the. The elite and, you know, the real action kicks off in the round of 16, except for the U.S. group, which, as we know, is the group of death. And with that, Ivis, I have no more notes for the show. So, I, well, actually, no, wait, wait, we didn't talk about this. Barcelona defeating Juventus 3-1. to one. I mean, I mean, not like that. It was that surprising. No, but look, credit to Juve. I thought they played a good match. They made they, 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 they had an admirable, admirable performance. They they equalized in the second half to make it a game. But look, Barcelona's quality in this this they just put it all together this season and they were just so outstanding and their attack man that that attacking trio we're lucky to see them play together. Uh, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious. I, I want to see what happens next year once they add some new some new pieces. They 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 uh, obviously Xavi's leaving. Um, and we'll see we'll see how they do. And we'll see how the other teams the other top teams reload. It's always it's always tough to repeat and and especially with the champions league it's, it's it's extremely tough to repeat as champions but barcelona has a pretty good chance uh speaking of quality forwards the v- video that you retweeted over the weekend if you have not seen this 
Diego Maradona kicks his nephew down in this video, which is perhaps the his funniest grandson. thing. His grandson. I'm sorry, his grandson, which is perhaps the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. It was just so absurd. And for those who hadn't seen it, basically it, it's like Maradona with his grandson, and he's like practicing shots on his grandson who's like kind of playing in goal. And, at a, and then at a certain point, the grandson grabs the ball and tries to dribble past Maradona, <laughs> and Maradona proceeds to completely wipe him out with a left-footed just kick. And it's just hilarious, man. And I, and I, 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 I kind of almost felt bad at how funny it was to me. Um, but, you know, you got to see it. Check it out. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, hashtag, what was it? Uh, at Soccer Bibes. So you can check check it out. And it's on there from the weekend. My favorite part of the video was actually was Diego Marandona. I think he was yelling at his grandson for using his hands. Do you get it? That was, it was do, yeah. do, I don't know if he did that, but it was pretty ironic if he did. <laughs> it was, I don't know. I, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I replayed it 50 times. Yeah, I, I think I've done that too. All right. Well, I was uh, with that, man. Wraps up the SBI show. Anything else we need to talk about? Yeah, that's it, man. I'm sure we could get into a little Game of Thrones. I don't think you watch Game of Thrones. but No, I don't. It's like the only show that I can watch these days because everything else is, is out of season. And there's also 55 soccer games a day to watch. So. Uh, but anyone who I know some people are not happy with Game of Thrones, but I think it's been excellent. Mm, see, I just don't have time. See, here's what I'm looking forward to: the the Fear of the Walking Dead, which is like you know the spinoff to The Walking Dead. That is, I am looking forward to that. I and think also, that starts this summer. It's coming soon. And you know what else will coming soon hmm. is Orange Is the New Black, and it's one of those shows that I, you know, me and the wife watch together, and I I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Uh, and it's dropping on Netflix pretty soon. And you know how those Netflix shows are where you could just binge, binge watch like 13 episodes in three days. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do that anymore. House of Cards was such a letdown in the third season that I just don't know if I want to binge watch ever again. I liked House of Cards third season. Really? I thought it, eh, it was I think okay. It sets up, I think it sets up for an excellent fourth season. It does. Yeah, you know, so you're right. Sometimes you have to do that, you know, in seasons where you kind of have like a... a you know, a lull season for a while, then it then it sets everything and, up. But right, and season two was so good. I know that it was hard to top that. Oh, Kevin Spacey's just good. I mean, he is the show. Well, let's face it. Between that and his role on Call of Duty, I mean, the guy's outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> I still think that's amazing that he's on that. No, his best movie is uh, The Usual Suspects. That is oh. that is his best role. Of course. Are you Rubble. surprised I know that movie? That's before my time, I think. Yeah, I think you stumbled upon that on uh, somewhere <laughs> on on Netflix or something. Yeah, I did it actually. <laughs> I saw that in the movies actually. So holy so crap, you are you are old. It was great. It was still hey, it was good. <laughs> I'll flip you for I'll flip you for real. <laughs> all right, I was with that. I'll let you go for the week. Enjoy the week. Enjoy all the U.S. soccer, and uh, we'll talk later this week recapping the U.S. match against Germany. U.S. Germany, U.S. under twenties. Yes. And I'm sure there'll be another U.S. women's game to talk about plenty. So make sure you, you make sure you check us out on Friday. We'll drop our next episode. And make sure to hit us up on iTunes. If you haven't given us a review yet, hook us up. Give us another review. We're, 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 a, little, uh, we're a little dry on the review front. So yeah, it's been a while. I don't know, man. We're slipping. I think yeah. we're, I think we're, I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully we're getting people back into it now that we're back into a nice flow. Yeah, that's it. I think that helps, which we are, which, which we are. All right, Ivis, you enjoy your week. I'll talk to you on Friday. Sounds good. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the views, the comments. And please, like Ivis said, give us a review on iTunes if you'd so like. That is Ivis Galarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>